0: Have your Bibles turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I prayed about what to preach, because I'm going to uh, have a bigger congregation uh, tonight than I will next week, because you'll all be working and serving, a lot of you, in Master Club and youth class and on and on, and so uh, God laid this on my heart, hope it'll be a blessing to your heart. I want to preach on uh, reasons to get involved in the ministry. Reasons to get involved in the ministry. Uh, you could also say reasons to be faithful in the ministry. All of you that are, that are faithful. It's good to see Miss Holly back from surgery. Some people have surgery. You don't see them for five months. And uh, she's uh, back with us. And We appreciate God being with her during the surgery. And, uh, you know, I think about Buddy Thigpen. We didn't have his letter, but I can tell you a little about him. And what impressed me about Buddy Thigpen is it on deputation and Mrs. Thickpen? I don't know her name. What is her name? Melissa? I don't know. Anyway, Mrs. Thigpen, praise God. Uh, they were on deputation. Now get this, on deputation, Brother Jeremy, at a McDonald's, the stop most popular for missionaries with big families. Amen? It's McDonald's. Uh, when I had kids at home, all they wanted to do is go to McDonald's. I thought I was going to have arches in my back before I got those kids grown up. But they were at McDonald's. And they turned their head just for a moment, and one of the, the, the littlest boy, I think he was about three, uh, maybe four, stepped off the curb in the path of a car and was killed in the parking lot of McDonald's on deputation. Now a lot of you wise would say, "We're going to go to the ranch. We're going to go rock on the porch. That's it. God let that happen on deputation. I'm finished." Thank God they went on to Russia. They've been there for 30 years. And so that's the, that's my testimony to the thick pens is that what's going to take to get you stopped? Uh, what's gonna, I was talking to somebody today. I said, listen, uh, you might disagree with a lot of things, but there's one thing you need to do is keep on going for God and keep on witnessing and not let any man or person or being stop you from being what God's called you to be. And that's what I want to preach on tonight, is that we ought to be motivated. We ought to have a desire, Brother Travis, a desire, and I thank God that song came to your heart for this particular night, and I want to give you about four or five things about desire and about uh, motivation, and I just heard a great message on the Rock of Ages Prison Ministry Tape of the Month by Brother Stenet Blue on motivation, and uh, I preached this message before he did, uh, this, was, this was preached a long time ago, matter of fact, I got D-N-P under my notes. That means did not preach. So I don't know if I preached it or not, but I, someplace I was put D-N-P. That means I didn't preach it. And so uh, I want us to stand on the Word of God, and I'm just going to give you one verse, and then I'm going to preach the whole chapter, because y'all look very tired for some reason. T- poor, tired blood or something. I don't know what it is. But uh, it's good. good congregation. I'm very encouraged. I thought with all this scare going on that there'd be a lot of people in sickness. There'd be a lot of people home. And I appreciate all of you that are listening by way of internet. Let's pray we can stay open, okay? But look at verse 5, or verse 9. It says, Wherefore we labor, that's a key word, labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also made manifest into your consciences. Then go down to verse 14, the key verse. The Bible says this, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if if one died for all, then we're all dead. Got to read one more verse. Verse 21, this is real motivation. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let me just give you my bottom line of this message. If Calvary does not motivate you to serve God, then you need to look again. And you need to realize what Jesus did for you. Amen? You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you that we need to be motivated we need to have some ambition about our Christian life. Lord, we need to be driven and we have a desire and an appetite and a motivation to do more for God <clears throat> because souls are dying and going to hell and we're going to face you and give account of what we did the moment we were saved to the moment we die or the rapture takes place. So Lord, motivate us tonight. And Lord, this ain't no motivational speech. This ain't no political speech. Lord, I pray this is the word of God preached to motivate us to be involved in the ministry. And We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a message I almost preached this morning or tonight on make it a ministry. Now, anybody can study for a Sunday school lesson or a master school lesson Master school? Master club. I knew that didn't sound right. Master club and unload the information that you have memorized or studied and thank God for that. There's a need for that. But I want to tell you something. Your class should be a ministry. And you are not just a teacher. You're not just a lecturer. God has called all of us to minister as Christ ministered. And so we need to make our class. We need to make our uh, opportunities in this church, a ministry. It's all about reaching people. It's about discipling people. It's about making them hungry for Jesus, amen? And folks, God forbid that we get caught up in just the preaching. When I went to uh, Bible Baptist Church and Dr. Cecil Hodges asked me a question that just scared the hound out of me. He said, what right do you have to go to Dalton, Georgia, and start a church? And I didn't expect that. I was just there for some support because I didn't have any money coming in, and we had $1,700 to our name. We moved up here in a cattle truck. Um, Ms. Conley was telling me about a thing. I forget all these great things that we took place. and I told him, I said, I think I preached this message at Centel Baptist Church. She said, you did. I said, that must have been right after they gave us a Christmas in 1979. And I said, I don't even remember that. That's awful. They gave all the kids Christmas presents. And my dear wife, my dear wife was praying that Jason would get something for Christmas because we were broke. I'm not poor-mouthing. I'm exalting that Jesus answers prayer. And that church invited us down. I thought it was to preach, and they just showered us with Christmas gifts. And our little baby, probably 18 months old, got something for Christmas. And guess what? I got something for Christmas, and my wife got something for Christmas. Isn't God good? And isn't the ministry thrilling that you can depend on God and you don't know where the next meal's coming and God brings in the ravens and flies it in, raven cuisine. Folks, those were good days. I don't want to go back to those days, but those were good days, amen? God will bless faith, and God will bless determination but I want to say we need to be motivated. Number one, here it is. We need to be motivated by refocusing on heaven. There is anticipation. Heaven is not a destination only. It is a motivation. Can I say it this way? There is, Brother Steve, an eternity of either heaven or hell. Now, if I don't motivate you to get out of your pew and invite somebody to church and stop just teaching a class and ministering to those kids and visiting them and praying for them and having a prayer list, I don't know what will, because they're either going to go to heaven or hell. Every ministry you're involved in, they're going to heaven or hell. We need to refocus on that, amen? It's eternity, eternity. We're talking about eternity. So many people get sidetracked, and they want to do this, and they want to do that, and they don't do it anymore because somebody hurt their feelings. God help you. Get some backbone. Hey, get some courage. Don't let somebody knock you out of the ministry. I don't care what they've done. Just go on for God. Because there is a heaven and there is a hell. We ought to anticipate heaven. Look at verse one. For we know that our earthly tabernacle, this tabernacle, we're dissolved. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heaven. And this we groan earnestly. There's that ambition. There's that drive. We've groan earnestly desiring. Thank you for that song again to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. And so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we, listen to this, verse four, for we that are in this tabernacle, this old body, wearing out, amen, how many can say you're slowing up a little bit? Do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality shall be swallowed up of life. There is an eternity. And folks, it is so unwise, I want to use another word but I'm not allowed to use it from the pulpit it is so unwise, starts with an S Uh, but you know, to live your whole life for this life when there's an eternity and we need to live for eternity we need to realize that people are going to hell or heaven there is a heaven, and if you're excited about going to heaven, don't you think we ought to help other people go to heaven, and hand out a track once in a while Praise God, knock on the door once in a while. Hey, friend, talk uh, more about God than the dogs or more about God than Trump or more than about God than Biden. If you campaign for him, see me after class. But I'm just saying, folks, we need to be ambitious and we need to have a desire because of eternity. And so our residence is just a tent. It's temporary. Second of all, we need to reach forth to eternity. I know that there is a finishing line That keeps me going. Hey friend, listen, one of these days the burdens are going to be laid down. All the weights of sin, temptation, the devil, all this, what a long for heaven. But wait a minute, what should our attitude towards heaven be? Turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. Philippians 1, 20. I think I've read this verse quite often lately. And uh, it's a good verse to read quite often. But I hope I don't run it in the ground. I hope I lift it up to for his name. But look at verse 20. It says, according to my earnest expectation. There's that desire. There's my motivation. Earnest expectation. And my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ. I want to ask you a question. Fill in the blank. What is your life about? What do you live for? What cranks your tractor? That's Brother Steve's favorite uh, little phrase. What cranks your tractor? What gets you going? What motivates you? What gets you excited? What puts a smile on your face? What gets you out of bed when you don't feel like getting out of bed? Well, so it's called money and work, and I'm getting out to get, make a living. But folks, there ought to be a higher calling. That higher calling is to glorify and magnify that's your ministry. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. But look at this. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I want not. Here's the verse, verse twenty-three. For I'm in a strait. That word "strait" is where we get the word "constrained." It's the same word. It means moved, uh, motivated. I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in in the flesh is more needful for you. Now I think we ought to all be ready to go to heaven. We shouldn't rush it the way we drive or the way we die or whatever, don't get me started on that. But I believe with all my heart we ought to say, Lord, until then, make me faithful. Until then, give me a ministry. Until then, help me reach one more soul. Until then. Hey folks, I'm going to tell you this. And here's the emphasis. On every missionary that's doing the job, it's church planting. It's church planting. That's the preeminent goal, is to plant churches. The only reason you plant churches is to reach souls. Say amen. Soul winning. Hebrews 12 says, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay the weight and the sin that so so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. What are you running for? Listen, look at verse 2. Looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set down uh, before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, folks, we need to refocus on eternity. We need to refocus on heaven. Master club leaders, I won't be with you for about a year now. or nine months. When you go in that class, don't look at those kids just as kids. Look at them as souls that's going to live in eternity somewhere forever, either heaven or hell. We need to look at every person as a soul that's going to live forever. Number two, what motivates you? The recognition of the Savior ought to motivate you. You know to realize that verse 5, and he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God who has given us the earnest of the Spirit. Wherefore, we're always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Amen. Look at verse 8. For we're confident, I say, excuse me, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. For we're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. Wherefore? Wherefore? God made us. God sustains us. God saved us. Wherefore? We, what's the next word, class? Labor. That is a, I uh, almost said a four letter dirty word to the modern teenager folks it means work you ought to be disciplined preachers you ought to be more disciplined than your followers you ought to get up and read your bible every day whether you feel like it or not And you ought to get up amen you ought to be faithful and folks the bible says wherefore we labor that both present or absent we may be accepted of him so let me say number two real quick we need to recognize that our savior is our maker he's our creator say amen he's our creator Folks, God created you. You didn't come with someone who saw Amiibo flipped over and became a tadpole, and a monkey, and a monkey showed up at uh, Whitfield Baptist Church in 1978 and started a church. No. Folks, monkeys do not make men. God makes men. But God makes men for a reason. And that reason is to be ambitious for Him, to glorify Him. We should realize that, number one, He's our maker But also, folks, He ought to be our Lord. Lord. Lord of our life. The word ambition, I looked it up in the 1826 Webster's Dictionary, which is the best. It comes from a root word, meaning ambitious. It's a root word that when the Roman candidate for offices uh, would go around the city to solicit votes. They were called ambitious. Ambitious. They were ambitious. Have you ever seen a person running for office, how ambitious they are? I mean, they spend days and years and their whole life savings and all of your life savings to try to run for office. And that's well and good, and we need to have more people. Run, Herschel run. But I want to say this for you. We need to realize that God help us that it's more important to witness than it is to campaign. And we ought to be ambitious about eternity more than these politics on this earth. Ambition for the Lord. The same word uh, is translated labor in 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Wherefore, we're ambitious and we are present or absent. We may be accepted of him. Our ambition should be to be accepted of him. So many people have ambition to be famous, ambition to be popular, ambitious to be wealthy. Folks, our ambition should be this. I want to please God. Uh, The same word, uh, this labor, the same word is uh, found in 1 Thessalonians 4 11, 12. It talks about a mindset to portray Christ, uh, study to show thyself approved. Ambitious. Um, Romans 15 20. Let's read that. I got time to read that. Romans 15 20. Look at it real quick. Romans 15 20. Boy, time flies. We have long introductions. Romans 15 20. The Bible says this. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named lest I should build upon another man's foundation. That's not a good missionary verse. I've never read one. It says we ought to strive. Be ambitious. uh, Go after it. Don't let anything detour us. Don't let anything stop us. To preach the gospel to those that's never heard. Strive. Same word as labor. Study. Folks, we need to build a ministry. We need to be ambitious to launch out and do something for God because He sure has done a lot for us. He's not only our creator, He's our sustainer. You wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for God. You'd have died in that car, motorcycle accident, Brother Randy, on the side of Okoy River. Several of you would have died in, going down Dugat Road if hadn't been God spared you. You're spared from that lady driver. You ought to rejoice. Amen. Spare from COVID. Some of you have had COVID. You could have died. Rodney Lee died. He's about 45. Three precious children. God spared you. And you don't, and don't give the doctors and don't give the vaccine and don't give anybody the credit. Give God the credit. Amen. Give God the credit. But if God spared you, why did He spare you? I'll tell you why he spared you. To strive in the ministry. To do something to make a difference. To launch out in the deep. To glorify God. And so he is the maker. He is the Lord. You ought to be ambitious to be a servant. That ought to be your ambition in life. And not many people are waiting in the line to be a servant. Everybody wants to be the authority. And the last, they want to be the hanging committee, and they want to be uh, pass judgment on people, and it's pathetic the, the number of people that just want to stand in judgment of everybody else that's not doing it as good as they are. And don't get me started on this, but I'm going to tell you something, folks. God is the judge, and He is the Lord, and He's going to set things straight, and it's not your place to set everything straight. It's God's place to set things straight when it's wrong. Amen, and I guarantee you, God can set you straight, and God can set me straight. He's a judge, and it's an awesome thing to fall in the hands of a of a living God. And folks, that's my point here: is that one day, verse ten, wherefore we labor. Or, no, excuse me. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, folks. One day we're going to give account. I don't know if that motivates you or not, but it motivates me. I want to tell you what motivated me in school. Final exams. I'll tell you what motivated me in school. Next semester, i got to get out of this one. I'll tell you what motivated me in college. Get out and never study again. That is the biggest mistake I ever made because that's all I do is study. But college taught me to study. Amen. So it was worth it. We're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to face Him, and we're going to give account of what we did with our little old life for God's glory. And if you lived it for your stinking self, you're going to regret it, and you're going to stand in the ashes of of regret, and you're going to have no crown, and you're going to face Jesus empty-handed, and it's going to be an ashamed time instead of a confident time and a rejoicing time, and you'll have nothing to offer to Jesus who died and bled for you. What a horrendous thought that we'd have nothing to give Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ and go empty-handed. I love that Psalm 510 in the psalm book, Must I Face Jesus empty handed Let me say number three. What motivates you is reverence towards God. Or could I say it in old country preaching terms? Fear God. Fear God. How many fear God say amen? Amen. I mean respect Him. He's God. Folks, I want to tell you something. You can go around with your little facade if you want to and your degrees if you want to and your little opinions if you want to, but I'm going to tell you something. He's still God and there's nobody like Him and there's no more... There's nobody more powerful than him, and he knows even the thoughts and t- intents of your heart. And we're going to give account to God, and we need to fear him now. Five things Paul was afraid of. Number one, sin. He was afraid of, the, of, of self. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, my favorite verses, almost, I'd say, in the New Testament, is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 6. 19 and 20 I gotta hurry because I know how many points I got left but look at this 1 Corinthians 6 19 and 20 but I hadn't preached on a midweek service in one month so give me a little time but look at this 1 Corinthians 6 and I'll go to 6 as soon as I find it verse 19 and 20 the Bible says this what know you're not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye are, have of God, and you're not your own. That motivates me. Look at verse uh, 20. For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Amen? You're bought with a price. And so, folks, listen. God, Paul feared sin, and God was afraid of self but he was also, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, afraid of the shelf. I'm afraid of the shelf. Not the one you'll knock your head on every time it's in the way. But I'm talking about being put on it and being out of the ministry. I'm afraid of the shelf. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I believe it is. Yeah, 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. The Bible says this. He said, But I bring under my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means... When I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Put on the shelf. No crowns. No ambition. No ministry. You can put yourself on the shelf. By wrong priorities. Sin in your life. Holding a grudge. A grudge holding you. You're on the shelf. You can't minister. You can't pray. You can't be effective. But you go ahead and put yourself on the shelf and see how you like the rest of your life. It's a dismal, dusty, lonely life on the shelf. Praise God, I I want to be right in His hands. I want to be right at His feet. I want to move when He says move. I want to speak when He says speak. I want to love when He says love. I want to forgive when He says forgive. I want to be a vessel in God's hand, don't you? Not on the shelf. Too much is on the shelf for display. Too much is on the shelf for refuge and waste and it's out of the way and out of mind. I don't want to be there. Paul feared sin. Paul feared self. Paul feared the shelf. And Paul feared the seat. The judgment seat of Christ. And then he feared souls going to hell. He said, I, I wish myself a curse. Romans chapter 9, verse 2, that my people might be saved. And So folks, I'm going to tell you what will change your life. The fear of God. Practicing in His presence. Adoring Him and loving Him and knowing He knows all about you and God knows. And a dreadful, dreadful walk of not pleasing God. A dreadful uh, fear of not pleasing God. That ought to motivate you. I don't want to displease God. I don't want to bring reproach upon God. He's done too much for me. He's made me. He's saved me. He's sustained me. And He's coming for me. Number four. The resignation of self is there's a recollection of His love. A recollection of His love. Folks, I want to show you verse 14. We'll try to close. It says, For the love of Christ constrains us, because well, we thus judge, if one died for all, then we're all dead. The Bible says in John fourteen, I believe it's verse thirteen: "If you love me, keep my commandments." What has God called you to do? He's called you to resign yourself as you recollect the love of God. He's called you to fall in love with God. And folks, when you fall in love with somebody, it changes your life. Don't say it doesn't. You obey. God when you love Him. You serve God. You introduce Him to other people when you love Him. Folks, the bottom line to the Christian life is dying to self in loving God. And folks, the word constrain is so powerful. It's found in Luke chapter 8 verse 45. And look at, look at it. It's just the motivation of it. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Look at Luke 8, 45. Same word as constrained. Constrain It's found in Luke chapter 8, verse 45. The Bible says this. And Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied Peter, and when all had denied master of the multitude, thronged thee and pressed thee, saying, Thou who touchest me. The word throng means constrain thee. Folks, that ought to move you. And then the the same word is found in Acts 18 verse 15, pressed. And it's a powerful phrase in Acts 18 15, it's called pressed in the spirit. He said, I feel pressed in the spirit. That's the same word as constrained. He He was surrounded, he was moved by the spirit of God to go to Jerusalem and give his life for the gospel. They said, don't go Paul, they'll kill you, I must go. Now that's, that's love of God right there. That's being ambitious and driven by God's love. And then the word uh, is same in Luke chapter 12, verse 50. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 50 real quick. The Bible says in Luke 12, 50 that the blood of all the prophets... Let me go to 12, amen? 12, 50, I knew that didn't look right. But I have... A baptism to be baptized with. Talking about Calvary. And how I am straightened till it be accomplished. That's the word constrained. Same word. He was straightened. He set his face like a flint towards Calvary, the Bible says in Isaiah. And then the word I already read in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. I'm in a strait betwixt two. He was constrained to stay on this earth. Then number five. We need to realize one of the greatest motivations is regenerated for his glory. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, old, all things come new. When you get saved, you get a new want to. And if you never want to read your Bible, never want to go to church, you're probably not saved. You say, you're passing judgment. No, I'm fruit inspecting. Because the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. creation. He's a new creature. Folks, amen. Old things pass away, behold, all things come to you. You can't get saved and live just like you want to all the time. You'll fear God enough not to want to, but then you'll love God and you don't want to. See, the thing is, is that you shouldn't want to sin. And if you want to sin all the time, you need to check who's in your heart. Amen. So regenerate it. Folks, being saved ought to motivate you. How many are a satisfied customer in here? Raise your hand. A satisfied saint. A satisfied child of God. Well, listen, friend. If he satisfies you, he can satisfy them. He can give them a new want to, a new desire. Oh, no, they're a hopeless case. Don't you say about, about that, about the blood of Jesus. There's no hopeless case. And then, folks, not only are we a new man, but we have a new ministry. Look at verse 19, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, to with that God was in Christ reconciling the world and Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We're a new man, but we have a new ministry. You know what that ministry is? Reconciling the world to the preeminent, personal, powerful, almighty God through salvation. Then we have a new mission. Look at verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, We pray you, Christ said, that you be reconciled to him. Folks, we're saved, and we're saved, and we're saved, and it ought to be a never-ending mission to get other people saved. You don't save them. You just give them the gospel that saves them. Then last but not least, we see uh, the bottom line, a never-ending motive is found in verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Folks, I'm going to tell you what unmotivates you. Calvary. The Lamb of God. If he left the splendor and glory of heaven, why don't you ever leave your home with the purpose of witnessing? Being a missionary across the street? Giving a testimony, giving out a track? Folks, listen, he gave up everything for you. Why can't we give up some of our ambition and let it become his ambition and be ordained and chosen by him? We haven't chose him. He's chosen us and ordained us to bear fruit for his glory. John 15, 16. And he works through the local church. Folks, you can join everything you want to, but I want to tell you something, there's nothing like the local church. We shouldn't be passive, laid back, preoccupied, We're going to face Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. We need to get a ministry. You know, you ever heard anybody come up to you and say, why don't you get a life?" You know, some old gossip or some old guy that's just hung up on all this junk, you know, I mean, he just talks about it all the time, politics, you know, ball, baseball, you know, just, you you want to say, why don't you get a life?" Well, let me tell you this. I, I like to say to a lot of people, why don't you get a ministry? Why don't you get a ministry? What is that ministry? That's the ministry of winning souls. It's the ministry of teaching the gospel. It's a ministry of loving God with all your heart and all your soul. Get involved laboring for God. It's hard to go soul winning these days. It's scary these days. I mean, you almost want to knock on the door and go back to the first step and say, well, I don't know what's going to come out here, but, you know, praise God you ought to find a place to serve the living God. In light of His love, you ought to get some ambition for Him. Father, thank You for this chapter. I know I haven't done it justice. But I pray we'd remember these five things that ought to motivate us. Eternity. Oh God, help us to get our minds off this world and on the next world. God, realizing who you are, the Savior, the Sustainer, the Sovereign God. Praise God, the Judge. God, help us to fear you. Help us, God, to fear letting you down and the fear of leaving the main purpose for living, and that's to glorify you. God, help us to resign self, but not just like a Mormon or some some cult member, but resign to have a resignation of self because we recollect the love of God and are filled with the love of God. And we're ambitious because of the love of God. And God, last but not least, help us to realize we're regenerated for your glory. And you saved us not just to go to heaven, but to reach people to go to heaven and to glorify your name every day of our life. God, help us have a never-ending motive. Calvary. The blood. The cross. The Lamb of God. With every head bowed, every eye closed. And I hope not any hearts closed. What motivates you? What is your ministry in this church? What do you feel like is your responsibility to labor for Christ in these last days. You ought to have one. You ought to be a place. Somebody asked me the other day, when are you going to retire? I said, I don't know. I'm tired. And sometimes, like today, I felt like just forgetting it all and retiring and getting out of the middle of it. But folks, there is still work to do. and There's still health in my body and my soul. And I want to do all I can while I can. So I won't say I missed the opportunity. Appreciate it, Brother Stenet Ballou. Always saying, do what you can while you can. And you won't regret when you can't. Or something like that. I know that's not the exact quote, but it's close. And I heard a message by him today, or yesterday, on tape. On CD, and I thought, praise God, he finished well. Didn't he? He finished well. He moved us and motivated us for missions almost every other year. Thank God for him. Have me say, preacher... I need some motivation and the scripture's giving it to me tonight I want to get in the ministry I'm not saying you're called to South Africa I'm not saying you're called to be a missionary but you sure are called to be faithful where you're at and be a good church member that's working in the ministry full of God's love you say I just want to be I just want to be faithful to the ministry that God's called me to be in and that's your prayer tonight would you slip your hand up high come on, admit it Admit it that you need to get closer to God. Admit it you need to do more for God. Admit it you need to be more for God. Not just do, be. Father, thank you tonight for this chapter. I hope it's motivated some folks tonight, not with just motivation power or personality power, Lord, some salesmanship power. but God, by the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Scripture, we'll leave here motivated make our class next week a ministry, to make our bus route, our van route a ministry, to make our game time a ministry, to make our Sunday school class a ministry. God help us, God help us to realize boys and girls are going to be caught in the wrong car at the wrong time and they need to be saved before it's too late. We're going to praise you and thank you for using us for your glory. In Jesus' name.